welcome. I'm Cliff Hedges, and this is Pastor Cliff's Notes. This is a podcast where we're studying the Word of God, that is the Bible. And we're doing this in order to follow Christ. If we want to follow Christ, if we want to know God, we need to look at His message to us. We've been working through the letter of 1 John. This is a letter that the Apostle John wrote to a group of churches in the area of Ephesus. Churches that were dealing with real-world problems. That is, how do we follow Christ in the real world? This is episode 6, and we're in 1 John chapter 2, looking at verses 1 and 2. We finished up chapter 1 with John dealing with the issue of sin. There's confusion with these churches about sin. There's some false teachers that have been trying to lead them astray. John's trying to be clear about sin. He says, those that say they have no sin are deceiving themselves because everybody knows they're a sinner. Everybody falls short of whatever standard it is they're trying to live to. This is just uh, an undeniable fact of reality. So if you say you have no sin, you're deceiving yourself. Then he says, if you say you haven't sinned, you're calling God a liar. Because God's word says that we all have sinned. So he's trying to be clear about the, about sin here. Everybody is a sinner. Everybody has committed sins. This is obvious from nature. It's obvious from the word of God. The solution is Jesus. He, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and righteous to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Well, now in chapter 2, he makes a little pause and he says, my little children, now this is a little shift right here. He says, my little children, where he's been saying, we, us, you, now he's making it personal. He says, I, uh, John the elder, John the one you know, known for years, I care about you guys. So he calls them his little children. I'm writing these things so that you may not sin. Now, wait a minute. He just said, everybody sins. And if you say you don't sin, you're lying to yourself and you're calling God a liar. The point here he's making is we don't want to sin. Some people say, well, sin is inevitable. I'll just go ahead and do it. God's in the business of forgiving, so God's just going to have to forgive me. Or sin's not real, so I'll just go ahead and sin. Or forgiveness is such a good thing, the more I sin, the better the forgiveness. And, and John's saying, no, 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 no. My goal is that you don't sin. Not that you can live as sinless people, but that you don't sin. That's why I want you to know about sin and what sin is. So then he goes on and says, but if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He himself is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for those of the whole world. This is a couple of powerful sentences here. This is the solution to sin. If anyone does sin, and of course we all do sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the Righteous One. He himself is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but for those of the whole world. Several things at play here. One is the reality of sin, and now the solution of sin. The solution is Jesus. And he uses a variety of descriptors of Jesus here. He says, Jesus is our advocate. Advocate to the Father. Because when we sin, 
It's the Father that we are offending. That's who the offense is toward, the Father. We sin against God. But the good news is, Jesus is our advocate to the Father. The original word gets translated to English as advocate here. This is the, the Greek word paraclete. And we often use that word describing the Holy Spirit. Now, actually, John is the only one who uses this word in the Bible. But he uses it five times, four times in his gospel, and once here in 1 John. The four times in his gospel are all describing the Holy Spirit. Be careful here. He's not saying the Holy Spirit and Jesus are the same thing. But he's using the term helper, counselor, advocate, one who comes along to help. And so as he describes the Holy Spirit, he says the Holy Spirit is our paraclete, our helper, our counselor. He comes to help us. And he describes the ways in which the Holy Spirit helps us. Well, here in his uh, letter First John, he says Jesus is our paraclete. That is, he comes along to help us, help us in the issue of sin. And he is our advocate to the Father to deal with our sin. He also describes him as the Christ. Now, too often we think Christ is Jesus' last name. Uh, little Jesus was born to Mr. and Mrs. Christ. No, no, no. Jesus is the Christ. Christ is just the Greek word, means anointed one. It's the same as the Hebrew word, Messiah. So Jesus is the anointed one, the one anointed by God to be the Savior, the ruler of God's people. Jesus is the Christ. And so this is a, a descriptor of the one who's the Savior. So he's the advocate to the Father to plead our case to God for forgiveness. But he's also the Savior, the one who was sent to take care of the problem of sin. He says he's Jesus Christ, the righteous one. And this is a descriptor of Jesus was without sin himself. But he took our sins upon himself and now is the only one who can go to the Father to plead the case for our sins. And this last descriptor he uses, the atoning sacrifice. This is a, a word that uh, in theology circles, there's a lot of debate about it. I think it's pretty clear, but the word here uh, gets translated into a variety of English words. Most Bibles use some kind of words like sacrifice of atonement, atoning sacrifice, atonement, use, use those kind of words. Uh, some Bibles use the word propitiation. Now propitiation is actually the best word that fits here. The trouble is we don't use that in modern English. So atoning sacrifice is the best descriptor. But the word has to do with what is going on with the atoning for sin. What is actually happening with what Jesus did on the cross for our sin. Well, propitiation actually is the best descriptor of that, but you have to look into the, uh, the actual definition of what that means. It carries the idea of the turning away of the wrath of God. Now, a lot of people don't like that idea, the idea of the wrath of God. But we can't lose sight of God's wrath. It, it, it's a real thing. And that's the problem with sin. When we are in sin, we are under God's wrath. We are distanced from God, excluded from God, under God's condemnation. 
under the wrath of God. And that's what we'd be suffering then, the wrath of God, were it not for the forgiveness of sin. So this atoning sacrifice is turning aside the wrath of God. The wrath of God is related to the holiness of God. If you uh, ask a lot of people what's the primary attribute of God, you know, most of us would say well, you can't boil it down to one. But what we generally talk about is the love of God. And the love of God is an amazing thing. It's an incredible thing. It's what we really do focus on so often because it is such an incredible thing, the, the love of God for us. But what about the holiness of God? And in fact, as we see biblical examples where God actually appears to real people, what is their initial reaction? They fall on their face. They cry out. They um, are overwhelmed with their sinfulness when uh, God appears in this vision to Isaiah in Isaiah 6. He says, Woe is me, I am undone, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live amongst a people of unclean lips. What he says is, I am a sinner, and I am probably going to be destroyed because I'm in the presence of God. That's how people generally respond in the Bible to the appearance of God. They recognize their sinfulness before God, because God is holy. And God's wrath is his holy response to sin. God's wrath is his response in justice to sin. But yet God is love and God is merciful. And this is where what Jesus did for us becomes such a big deal is that when Jesus paid the price of sin through his sacrifice, he turned aside the wrath of God by satisfying the death penalty, satisfying God's holiness and God's holy response to our sin. And it's all because of God's perfect mercy, God's infinite love. So what we get out of this is that sin's a big deal. But what Jesus did on the cross is a huge deal because it's the playing out of God's perfect love, God's perfect mercy, but still taking care of his perfect justice and his infinite holiness. So Jesus is the atoning sacrifice, the atoning sacrifice for our sin. And then John adds, for the sins of the world. So here's a picture here that what Jesus did is available for anyone. Anyone can experience the forgiveness of sin through faith in Jesus. So John's laying out the case here, and he's going to be talking about throughout the rest of his letter, that you've got to understand sin. Everybody is a sinner. Everybody was born in sin, separated from God, under the wrath of God. Everybody still, even when they come to Christ and experience the forgiveness of sin, still commits sin. But the good news is Jesus is the advocate. And this is an interesting uh, dichotomy here. Jesus is our advocate to the Father, but he's also the atoning sacrifice that turns aside the wrath of the Father. And it's, a, it's an amazing uh, thing that J Jesus has done for us and made possible reconciliation with God to deal with the sin that separates us from God. Well, thanks for joining me, and uh, please join me next time as we continue to look at 1 John.